today, evangelist Frank Shelton, and we're so glad that he's here today, and the truth of the matter is he was here with us the first time, but he's here again, and I appreciate him so much and his humility and willingness to come here today. What an honor it is to have him. Evangelist Frank Shelton, I could go on and on about the gifting and the use that God has used him all across our nation and all across the world. Just briefly, he's addressed millions on television. He's preached three years in a row at Nelson Mandela Stadium to crowds over 118,000 people in Uganda, Africa. He's also worked for over two decades on Capitol Hill. But he came here today and made a long trip to be here today just to humble himself and be willing to come here and preach Jesus, King Jesus. So I want you to give him a very warm welcome here today. And let's our horns together, put our hands together for our guest evangelist preacher, Frank Shelton. Wow, well praise the Lord. Hello Cambridge, it's good to be with you. Amen. You know, there were two individuals that gave us our freedom. Number one, it was the American soldier and sailor, and to have a moment of silence, let's take ten seconds, because in the military motto is all gave some. But some gave all. Let's just pause and reflect and remember their sacrifice. My dad was in the Army in Vietnam. I got a granddaddy that served in the U.S. Navy. I got a cousin today still active with the United States Marine Corps. I got a cousin today still with the U.S. Coast Guard. But if you're in the Lord's army, why don't you honk your horn and give God some praise. Amen. The first one is the American soldier and sailor, but the true one was the Savior, Jesus the Christ. True freedom is not from the gifts of government. They're from Almighty God. God's grace is good because God's grace is from God. Can we give Jesus the loudest applause of the day? Amen. Amen. I got good news. Today I'm not preaching fake news. I'm not even preaching bad news. We're preaching the gospel. We got some good news. Amen. Praise the Lord. I thank God for those in authority. I actually lead a weekly Bible study to state senators in the state capitol. The church 
has been great over the years going after the poor, but more than ever, the powerful need Jesus too. I believe if you're homeless, if you're Harvard, or if you're Hollywood, everybody needs Jesus. God didn't die for some people. God died for all people. There's a song my mama told me when I was four. It still rings true today. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all still precious in God's sight. Amen. I thank God for Pastor Abraham. I thank God for Pastor Joe. I thank God for all the pastors who have come together. Newsflash, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. It takes me two hours to watch 60 Minutes. Can I get an amen? But the Greek word for denomination is division. And we've been so busy dividing against each other that we cannot mobilize nor multiply and shame on the local church back in the day. But if there's been anything because of this reset, when you look at the reset and you repent, there's a recipe for revival. I personally believe this reset wasn't the worst thing to happen. In hindsight, it may have been the best thing to happen because we don't got forever to lift up his praises on earth. We don't have forever to get past racial discord. We don't have forever to reach the lost for Christ. Because you're going to hear in a few moments, one of the dangers of hell is once you get in, you do not get out. And guys, more than ever, we need to sing his praises. We need to go after lost souls. The Bible said, he that wins souls is wise. I love the last four letters of the word American because it spells I can. And today, with God's help, I can, you can, we can still do all things through God who gives us strength. There's no hope in Muhammad. There's no hope in Buddha. There's no hope in Confucius. There's no hope in religion. There's no hope in the Congress. Our only hope is in Christ alone. Give God some praise. Amen. I want to preach a simple message today with the help of the Holy Spirit. And someone said it, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful or sarcastic, but there's going to be three groups of people that come out of this quarantine. Number one, there's going to be some hunks. Look to your neighbor and say, hunks, H-U-N-K-S. Those of us who got on the treadmill, who closed the refrigerator, and who honored God with our Bible, hunks. Number two, there's going to be some of us, it looks like chunks with the C, chunks. We've gained some weight, and I'm not trying to be rude, but sadly, they thought the liquor stores were essential from the beginning. We're going to go from hunks to chunks to drunks. And guys, more than ever, we need to be satisfied with the living water. You don't need the king of beers once you've met the king of all kings. And I got good news. I worked in four different White Houses. I've boarded Air Force One. I've flown on Air Force Two. But I'm preaching much bigger than politics this morning. The answer is not in the office that is oval. The answer is in the throne room of God. And the church was essential way before someone had to tell us we were in good shape. God is not coming back for beautiful brick buildings. He's coming back for blood-bought believers. My dad graduated from the FBI Academy in 1978. The FBI for years has a thing called the 10 most wanted list. I want to encourage you, who's your 10? I'm not talking terrorists. I'm talking people who need to hear the goodness of God. 
Maybe today you can go home and on your refrigerator put 10 friends who are far from God. 10 friends, if they died today, they would go to a devil's hell. 10 friends that need to hear life and not the lies from the enemy. Who need to hear hope, not no more hurt. Who need to hear about God's grace, not the guilt that comes from the devil. 10 friends. Some of you know my testimony. I got saved age 7 years old. I'm 48 years old. My only regret is that I didn't serve Jesus sooner. Got a D in public speaking in high school. I said, was that for dynamite? She said, baby, you need a lot of work. Thank God that we don't get to heaven because of our grades. We get to heaven because of his grace. My favorite verse, arguably, in the Bible, God uses the foolish to confound the wise. You don't have to be the best, but when you've met the best, he'll do the rest. And that's the test. And here's the thing. I was going to a church that ran 33 people. Nine was the pastor's family. Five was mine. We had a contest in 1982. Whoever brought the most kids to vacation Bible school would win a prize. I couldn't sleep for a week. Satan was teasing me. If you start bringing people to church, they will think you're crazy. Frank, nobody will sit with you in lunch. Everyone will make fun of you. You'll be picked last at recess. Nobody will know your name. You will be a loser if you stand up for Jesus. At the age of 10, if I ever heard the voice of God, and it was not an audible voice, it was way louder than that. The Holy Spirit said, Frank, there's a heaven and there's a hell. What are you going to do? We all want to fit in. But I come to tell you in Cambridge today, God in this last hour hasn't made you to fit in. He's called you to stand up and sing his praises. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Most of us are so satisfied sitting on Sunday and the sidelines that we're not even in the game. I'm thankful today that you're in the game. You wouldn't be here. But at age 10, Satan was teasing me. Well, Frank, what about if you invite him to the church and they ask you a theological question and you don't know the answer? You're going to make God look bad. You don't want that, do you? It's amazing what goes through your 10-year-old head. Newsflash. I still don't know all the answers to all of my friends' theological questions. I just know that Jesus is the answer to all our world's problems. I invited a few friends. Some said yes, some say no. That's life. I've now officiated 150 weddings since 1998. I tell men all over America, I said, unless you're willing to hear her say no on the first date, you'll never hear her say I do at the altar. You need to be willing to take a risk if you want to get the reward. And the interesting thing is sharing Jesus is no different. And if they say no, they're really not saying no to you. They're temporarily saying no to God. One of my best friends was Elvis Presley's stepbrother. Rick Stanley, for 14 years, traveled with the king of rock and roll. When Elvis's mother, Gladys, died, Elvis was in the army in Germany. And his father, Vernon, remarried another woman named Dee. Had three small kids. They were basically homeless on Section 8 housing. They went from dirt poor to moving into the Magic Kingdom. They lived in the gates through Graceland. 
the night that Elvis Presley died, my friend Rick Stanley, the stepbrother to the king of rock and roll, did not know Christ as a savior. Ricky Stanley did not. He came up to Elvis, one of the last conversations that anyone ever had face to face with Elvis in his bedroom in Memphis, Tennessee. He said, E, I got a problem. My girlfriend, Robin, all she tells me every day is, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Elvis, what do you think about that? And Elvis, to his credit, said, Ricky, she's absolutely right. Anybody that tells you about Jesus is a true friend. You better listen to what she has to say. Six hours later, Elvis Presley was dead in the bathroom. But true story, the following Sunday, Ricky Stanley got saved at a country church. And he'd been preaching Jesus for the last 40 years before God called him home two years ago. Even the famous need forgiveness. Amen? I want to share a quick, quick message today. Sometimes the best sermons are the shortest message. But the greatest message is the gospel. Adrian Rogers said, there will always be people that may preach the gospel better than me. But they'll never preach a better gospel. The answer is not in the Koran. The answer is in the King autobiography. I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for Pastor Abraham. Aren't you thankful that no matter when the world is upside down, Jesus is still on the throne? Give him one last round of applause. Amen. I'm going to preach real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. I won't even turn there, but if you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. The Bible says, seeing, thank you, brother, seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. So here's the catch. If you look up with me, some of you got a sunroof, some of you can look through the front windshield. But seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there are three people today watching your every move. There is a crowd in the cloud. There is the Savior in the saints. And they're peeking down through the portals of heaven today. And they are not criticizing you. They are not critiquing you. They are not condemning you. But I have good news. The saints and the Savior are pushing for you. They're pulling for you. And they're praying for you. The Bible says... I remember a song a contemporary Christian singer said, Heaven is counting on you. Run with the heart that is true. Carry the cross. Reach the lost. Because heaven is counting on you. I believe there are some saints above that would die to be down here one more time. To go after some lost people. Amen. There's a crowd above. There's three groups watching you. There's a crowd above. There's a crowd beside. And today on Memorial Day, I guarantee you it's biblically accurate. There's a crowd below watching today's sermon. You say, Frank, how is that true? Above us, there's the Savior and the saints. Beside us, there are the saved and there's the sinner. The only difference between being a Christian and someone who's not is the grace of God. We were sinners who've been forgiven by the Savior. We can never walk around like we're so good because it's all about him who was so God. There's a crowd above, there's a crowd beside, and today there's a crowd below. Above us is the Savior and the saints looking down on us. We have at Costco, 
we have at Walmart, there are saved people and there are sinners. And there's still time to reach them before it's too late. But sadly, beneath us is Satan and those who are separated forever. Hell is too long for you to be wrong. Do you know it's a fact that there's not a single atheist today in hell? I didn't misspeak. They have men been atheists walking on the ground. But one nanosecond in the devil's hell, everybody was a believer. The problem is it was too late. Once you get in, you don't get out. I was at a checkout line one time, and I wasn't trying to preach. Wasn't trying to be religious. Wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I wasn't in your face, turn or burn. I just said, ma'am, God loves you. She goes, I don't believe in God. And I looked at her and I just said, but God believes in you. And true story, she began to weep. No one had ever told her that God believed in her. And you know what? The church may have failed you. Christians may have failed you. A clergy may have failed you. But stop blaming Christ for something he didn't do. Amen. Real quick, the crowd in the cloud. The crowd in the cloud. Number two, Christians today are in a crisis. And it has nothing to do with the corona. I had the privilege, I met President Jimmy Carter three times. I spoke at his church in Plains, Georgia. In 1978, they made the Susan B. Anthony silver dollar. It was pulled from circulation for 16 months. It's back out today. But the problem with the Susan B. Anthony silver dollar, the problem is on the outside, it resembled a quarter. But on the inside, it was worth a dollar. When I was a kid, I remember Coca-Cola's for a 12-ounce cold can was 50 cents, two quarters. My mom gave me a rare silver Susan B. Anthony, and she said, whatever you do, hold on to this. You can always grab a quarter, but you don't see the silver dollar every day. But it's 102 degrees. I'm eight years old. It's in the July, and I'm looking at that Coke, and I'm looking at my Susan B. Anthony. I heard what my mom said, but and sadly, the lies from even a Sprite commercial, it says, obey your thirst. If you ain't obeying the Lord, we need to learn to say no to the flesh, amen? But I put in a silver dollar. I should have not only got a Coke, I should have got back some change. But the Coca-Cola vending machine thought it was only a quarter. I didn't get the Coke, and I didn't get the change. You say, Frank, what does that have to do with 2020? The problem with a lot of Christians around the world is we are worth the Lord. But we act like just like the world. Amen. So there's a crowd in the cloud and there's Christians in a crisis. And I'll never forget, I was at a vacation Bible school way back as a young man, my mom's best friend. We had a time of prayer and they said, would someone like to testify how God's been good to you? Someone said, well, I'm thankful that my husband got a promotion. Someone said, well, I'm thankful that this month there was actually more dollars than days and that's been a long time. Someone said, I'm thankful that my prodigal came home. And all of them were noble. But I'll never forget, my mom's best friend was stage four cancer. Her name was Robin, and she stood up. 
She said, I want to thank God that I got cancer. And my little mind about fell out of the pew. I'm thinking, how in the world could she give God thanks for cancer? She said, I wasn't the Christian that I could have been. But now that I got Christ, I'm closer than I'll ever be. She died not long after, but praise God, it took a crisis, it took a cancer, and maybe for some of us, it took a corona to get back to Christ. Amen? Amen. The word of the day is, I used to play JV basketball. It was a dream to play varsity. But watch this. When you go through adversity, you can finally get on God's varsity. He doesn't use straight A's. He doesn't use Hollywood. He doesn't just use Harvard. He uses people who've been through the storm. But once they come out of the storm, they not only glow for God, they got something to say for God. Amen? I want to talk to you about, I'm not going to get too deep, but I'm going to tell you this. We need to pray like never before. There is a demonic agenda. And some of us are playing checkers and God is playing chess. This issue is not racial. This issue is not political. This issue is spiritual. Amen. And he wants us sidelines picking fights over here when the game is being won and lost over here. And that's why we got to get past who we vote for. My father protected eight United States presidents. Only voted for four of them and he would have never told you who they were. And my dad would have died for every single one of them. And we have failed in America of the last few years that we won't even say hi to somebody if they don't vote like we do. Shame on us. My former boss was Billy Graham. I was the Maryland-Delaware coordinator for all of Dr. Graham. And Billy Graham pastored 13 U.S. presidents. Six of them he didn't even vote for. But he would never tell us who they were. But he said Jesus died as fast for Richard Nixon as he did for William Jefferson Clinton. And if God died for them, we need to begin praying for them because leadership is lonely at the top. I served briefly in the Obama White House. I served briefly in the Trump White House. I served briefly in the Clinton White House. I served briefly in the George W. Bush White House. But you know what? God's house and his house and getting right in my house is more importantly than who's in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But I'm going to say this in love. Even Trump needs the Trinity. Even Obama needs the omnipotent. And even Carter and Clinton needs the coming Christ. We all need Jesus. True power is not in the Pentagon. True power, power is in the prayer closet. I was just in Israel in November. I had the honor to preach with Grammy winner Michael English. We took 94 to the Holy Land. I was standing in the spot where Jesus told Peter, upon this church, I'll build my church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he said, quote, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I won't go too deep. But everybody needs Jesus. Adrian Rogers told a story years ago. He said the number one tourist attraction in Chicago, outside of Harpo Studios, Oprah, the Bears, in the day with Walter Patton and six-time NBA champs, last dance, Michael Jordan. Other than Oprah, the Bulls, and the Bears, and a skyscraper, the number one tourist attraction in all of Chicago 
for 40 years was a, a bar. It was a tavern. And in neon lights, the name of the bar, are you ready for this? It was called the Gates of Hell. And cheers, I've been in Boston. Outside of Fenway Park, they said, do you want to see where the TV show with Ted Danson, Cheers, was filmed for eight years? I said, sure. Do you remember the theme song to Cheers, where everybody knows your name, and we're actually glad you came? It's sad that some Saturday night bars were more friendly than some of the churches on Sunday morning. But praise God for a reset, praise God for repentance, and praise God we're in the middle of a recipe for revival. Three things are going to happen in the near future, and mark my words, because they're his words. There are three R's. I'll give them to you. God gave me this. He said we're going to see a riot, we're going to see a revival, or we're going to see the rapture. But either way, Schwarzenegger was not the first to say I'll be back. It was Jesus, and he's coming soon. I may not get invited back, but that's good preaching. Can I get an amen? I'm going to land a plane. Give me six minutes, and we're through. The gates of hell. Three buddies from South Carolina heard that their best friend was flying to Chicago. They said, you're going to the Windy City. Yes. They said, quote, will you go to the gates of hell, the bar? Will you get a drink and a T-shirt for me? He said, I'll do it. Don't let lost people be more loyal than the Christian. If you're going to say you're going to do it, you better do it. Your word is your bond. This lost atheist flies to the Windy City. He's on business four days, three nights, and on the last day, to honor his promise, he's asking one of Chicago's finest, a cop on the corner, can you tell me how to get to the gates of hell? He said, sir, you're actually really close. He said, I'll give you a landmark. If you go down three streets, you'll make a right. If you go down two streets, make a left. I'll give you a landmark. There's a city church that takes up an entire block in Chicago. The name of the church is called Calvary. Baptist Church. He said, right next on the same side of the street of Calvary Baptist, he said, in neon lights is the bar, the gates of hell. He said, it won't be hard to miss it. He said, because the line will be wrapped all the way down the street to the church, no, to the bar. And then he looked at him and he said, but son, if you're asking me how to get to the gates of hell, he said, quote, if you go past Calvary, you'll end up at the gates of hell. And then he smiled and wiped away a tear. And he said, but I got good news. If you stop at Calvary, you won't have to go to the gates of hell. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven to come to earth. He went from a mansion to a manger. He went from the throne to the thorns. He went from the crib all the way to the cross. He was worshipped above, but he was rejected below. The first time he came, he came as a kid. The next time he comes, he's coming as the king of all kings. 
The first time he came, he was the rejected cornerstone. The next time he comes, he's the rock of all ages. The first time he came, he rode on a humble donkey. The next time he comes, he's going to be on a winning stallion. The first time he came, he, he, he carried a cross. The next time he comes, he's carrying the whole government on his shoulders. And even Stallone and Schwarzenegger don't have the shoulders of my Jesus. The first time he came, he stood silently before Pontius Pilate. But the next time he comes, Pontius Pilate, Muhammad, Confucius is going to kneel before him because Jesus is God. Give him one last Maryland round of applause. There's a crowd in the cloud. There's Christians and a crisis. And there was Christ on the cross. 60 seconds. When I used to go to the library at Billy Graham's Charlotte, North Carolina, the number one most visited tourist attraction in the Tar Heel State. Just got a call this week from Billy Graham's son-in-law. I love Dr. Graham, but even Billy would tell you, I'm nothing. Jesus is everything. When you go to the library of Charlotte, North Carolina, Billy Graham's name is not mentioned on the library. He said, they don't need to know me. They need to know him. And when you walk in the front door, they intentionally made the front door a 55-foot-tall cross. In order to get to the library, you can't go around the cross. You can't rappel over the cross. You can't dig underneath the cross. You can't even buy your way in the cross. It's already been paid to get to the library. You've got to go through the cross to get into the museum. Billy said, long after I've died, I want it to be a visual reminder to get to heaven. I don't get to heaven because we preach in stadiums. We get to heaven because Jesus died for a sinner like me. And he said, you can't get around the cross. You can't get under the cross. You can't repel under the cross. You can't buy the cross. You can't get on your grandma's coattails to the cross. It is only through the cross that you can come to Christ. I say this in love. Denzel didn't die for you. Rihanna didn't die for you. Jay-Z didn't die for you. Mother Teresa didn't die for you. Jesus Christ alone died. Give God your life. Amen. The answers are not in the stars of Hollywood. The answers in the Son of Heaven. I love America. My mother was born on the 4th of July. I was born President's Day weekend. My son was born the hour Barack Obama became president on Inauguration Day, January 20, 2009. If you cut my family's veins, they probably plead red, white, and blue. I thank God for Christ. I thank God for the Constitution. But I will say this. Soon and very soon, it's going to be all over. You can be more patriotic than me and still miss heaven. I preach 200 times a year. You can preach or you can have been in church more times than me last year alone and still miss heaven. March 9th, I was scheduled to preach to 150,000 Muslims in Pakistan of this year. I was going to get on a plane out of Dallas by myself. 
with no security detail. My spouse could not come. I couldn't have a special assistant. I was going to fly 20 hours by myself to preach with a man who's known as the Billy Graham of Pakistan. And they told me, Frank, you're preaching in the most dangerous region of Pakistan, and you will preach 12 miles from where they killed Osama bin Laden. They said, quote, the Taliban will be on the rooftops, and we who live in Pakistan are even afraid to preach there. And they said, quote, you can come, but you may not come home. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm actually a pretty shy person off the platform. I don't know too many pastors that would have got on a plane this year to fly to Pakistan with no security and no love offering and no guarantee to come home. Why in the world was I boarding the plane? Number one, I knew we didn't have forever to reach the masses for Jesus. Number two, I wanted to dispel the lie. You Christians hate Muslims. That's not the truth. I wanted to go there willing to die preaching the truth that God loves you. And if I died, it would have went viral on YouTube. And number three, had I lived, I believe thousands, thousands would have come to faith in Christ. I've led Muslims to Jesus in a taxi in Dallas. I've led Muslim priests to Jesus in London, England. But it's God through me, and it's the gospel that saves souls. But the main reason I was boarding a plane, God, number one, yes, God told me, but number two, to wake up a sleeping church in America. I saw it before it hit the shore. Someone said, if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it till it's too late. And God is going to use this to allow you to drive out of this, to either roll the rest of your life in mediocrity or getting on fire with full-blown ministry. The next week, I'm still in the States. They had canceled the event. President Trump suspended all travel coming from the East and Europe. And a friend texted me today to get on the plane, Frank, don't go to Pakistan. America needs you more than ever. And bam, the next day the corona shut down the world. But you know what? Corona and cancer has nothing on Christ. I'm going to ask... Right now, in the quietness of your car, I believe the most important minute of your life. If I had a chance, if the restaurants were open and I said, hey, not dropping names, but I just called a friend. We'll just say from Hollywood. A major league athlete. They're going to meet us. Crabs are running a little low, but they got a sale on shrimp. Come with me. I'll pay for it. You'd probably follow them to hang out with so-and-so. You know what? Jesus is bigger than it all. And sadly, some of us don't have any time at all for the one who made it all. Today, I'm not giving you a trip to Hawaii, but I am giving you a trip to heaven. I ain't passing out Ferraris, but I am giving away forgiveness. And it's not come to Jesus and get on a spiritual treadmill and run the race of your life to make it up. No, it is through the grace of God. He paid the price. Religion says you got to do this. Man, you got to do that. Brother, you need to do that. Sister, you need to do that. And I'm saying this in love. All that do is a bunch of doo-doo. Can I get an amen? 
Where the world says do, Jesus said it's done. He paid the price. In the car, rich or poor, black, white, Republican, Democrat, senior citizen, baby in the back of the car seat. Today's your day. If you'd like to receive Jesus, it's coming to Jesus as easy as the ABCs. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe on his name. And C, confess with your mouth that he is Lord. A, admit Jesus is the Son of God. B, but here's the catch. The demons believe and tremble with fear. They believe and still don't know him personally. C, confess with your mouth. That's where the conversion is. I don't know how he does it, but he somehow takes my dark, dirty sins. He dips them in his rich, red, royal blood and somehow turns them like new fallen snow. I don't know how he does it, but that's what he does. And guys, there's nothing that you've done that can keep you out of God's love for you. If you'd like to receive Christ, just whisper this in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I heard my whole life. I maybe even heard it Easter Sunday, Christmas Eve. I heard Jesus died for the world. But I realized at a park on the water in Cambridge, Maryland, on the eastern shore, it was just me. Jesus died for me. Oh, God, they placed you in a borrowed tomb, and you're not dead. You're alive. And today, I'm not putting my trust in a dead God, but the living Lord. If Jesus died and stayed dead, he's just a martyr who was murdered. But because the tomb is empty, he's the Messiah who's alive and on his way. Father, I want to repent. It's a big word. It just means to make a U-turn. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't get to heaven on my good looks. I can't get to heaven because of the money in the bank. I'm trusting God's death and resurrection alone to forgive my sins. Come to my life. Here's the keys. You drive it from here. Father, be my best friend. You died for me. I'm going to live for you. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you today. My name has an RSVP in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for Jesus. Give God some praise. Amen.